Welcome to the Modern Art Notes Podcast. I'm Tyler Green. It's time for a summer break, so this week we're replaying our interview with Liz DeShen. I talked with DeShen back in February on the occasion of a year-long installation she had made for the Walker Art Center. That work, which includes new photograms and pieces informed by the science of art conservation, remains on view through November 22nd. Since then, Mass MoCA has opened Liz DeShen Gallery 4.1.1, an exhibition of related work. It's on view now. The museum has not announced a closing date. Liz DeShen, after the break. Hundreds of neighborhoods, thousands of historic landmarks, one easy search. That's what the Getty, in partnership with the city of Los Angeles, has created with Historic Places LA, the first online information and management system specifically developed for Los Angeles to inventory, map, and describe its significant cultural resources, from places of social importance and architecturally significant buildings to historic districts and bridges. The system is accessible to everyone, ensuring that the ever-changing city keeps a firm hold on its historic roots. Start your virtual trip to Los Angeles at historicplacesla.org. Having recently completed a major renovation of its Tatawando design building, the Pulitzer Arts Foundation is now open with three exhibitions, Calder Lightness, Richard Tuttle Wire Pieces, and Fred Sandback 64 three-part pieces. On view through September 12th, the exhibitions offer visitors unique opportunities to experience the artist's works. The Pulitzer's expansive, light-filled upper level provides an ambiance that animates Calder's hanging mobiles and offers multiple vantage points from which to view these iconic works. In its first exhibition since 1975, Sandback's 64 three-part pieces makes a U.S. debut in one of the Pulitzer's new galleries, with a different sculpture presented every week. Installed by the artist himself, Richard Tuttle Wire Pieces provides a rare opportunity to see a large concentration of these works from 1972. For more details on the exhibitions, visit pulitzerarts.org. The Museum of Fine Arts Houston presents Habsburg Splendor, Masterpieces from Vienna's Imperial Collections, showcasing masterworks assembled over five centuries of empire building by Europe's longest reigning dynasty. The exhibition of some 100 objects from Vienna's Kunsthistorisches Museum is on a national tour this year and opens June 14th at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. Visit mfah.org Habsburgs for more. And we're back. Liz DeShen, welcome to the Modern Art Notes podcast. And Tyler, thanks for having me. So let's start with something new you're doing for this year-long installation at the Walker Art Center. It consists of a series of objects made up of digital pigment printing on translucent plastic. What is that? <laughs> what is digital pigment printing on translucent plastic? And then we'll get to the objects themselves. Well, I think it's important to talk about what they're, what they're, what they're referring to before I talk about what the procedure is in conservation. There are these things to talk about or to, to tell conservators how much work is fading when it's being displayed and they're called blue wool cards. So before we get to the, the, the prints that I made to refer to these things, I think it's important to talk about their, their, their reference. So they're essentially pigment prints that have two panels there's two different blues on each side. This is something that was lost on probably many viewers because uh, none of us possess a color memory. So when you're looking at one side of the basically I use state-of-the-art pigment printing uh, on plexiglass to achieve a, 
a, a work that allows light to, to pass through it really quite quite evenly depending on depending on the the vantage point of the the viewer so there's there's two different blues on, on each side I thought it was an important to position this tool of conservation and printing technologies from from right now so the 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 referent is, is conservation and the, the prints are what's what's state of the art right now in, in, in digital printing and the paradoxes these these prints that I made are are not supposed to fade does the conservation card to which you're referring is that used for conservators in regards to photographs to textiles to paintings or all of the above everything yeah and then it, it began with textiles and so then why did that card become of interest to you that's that's a, that's a that's a good question. I was in the Museum of Modern Arts Conservation Department, and I I saw it on on view, and I had not seen one before. And I was I was I was interested in in the range of colors, the saturation of colors. To it, it, most most of them are in the blue in the blue zone, from from blue indigo to blue cyan. And previous works have looked at how shall we say like you know map making or you know colors that are uh, consistent so that was a what was of, of interest to me that that these colors really have not even though they're they're wondrous and, and you know fantastically you know alluring they they really haven't changed much over over time as a as a as a mode of of testing how much colors fade. I think I think part of my interest was the fact that I was completely oblivious to their existence, and you know, I'm I'm somebody who who has often prided myself on spending a lot of time thinking about color and color permanence, which is part of the reason why I I even worked with dye transfer prints. So I think I was I was I was taken aback by all these tools that conservators have that the rest of us are are not privy to because i i'm I'm certainly not either a chemist or a a conservationist and people ask me you know questions about you know certain you know formulas and whatever and that's 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 not where my my work comes from but that being said, I'm interested in, in their in their tools. So, given that interest, why digital pigment printing on translucent plastic? Why that material, that method? Once again, many works of mine have been mounted to let's call it translucent plastic or you know plexiglass as a substrate. So, I was interested in the substrate and the work coming together, you know, as 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 an object and the and the fact that these things are as i said they're two they're two panels put together so this color mixing that happens that could, couldn't have happened really any other way so that was my 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 interest it's a it's a referral to my own procedures there's the removal of the 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 sub, the the material that would be mounted gets taken away and there's just the the pigment on the substrate it's a way of looking at my own process and, and taking out a layer and adding an, another layer to it because I, I managed to make a work that has two two sides to it that mixes to make one color. 
So if that if that if that if that makes if that makes sense, I mean it it, it does. And I guess conceptually, it strikes me as maybe a way in which you're doing something you've done for a long time, only in a different way, and that is making something that is not a digital file, but that is a physical object, something that emphasizes the physical uniqueness of an object. That's perfectly said that that will also, even though these prints will supposedly not change because of the daylight that I've let in the, the Walker's gallery. Lots of daylight, we should mention. We'll have images on manpodcast.com, but we're talking about big windows and lots of light coming in off the snow outside this time of year. Lots of, lots of, lots of light coming in, and the museum took off at, at, at my request the neutral density filters that generally are adhered to the windows. So you can actually see there's a tremendous amount of light coming in, and you can see out in a way that you couldn't have previously because of the, the neutral density filters on the windows. So the, the conservation play is, is twofold. I mean, I, I, the first procedure that I did in the project was to have them take down the, the ND filters, which, you know, the, the photography can't be shown under certain light levels. So I, I made it impossible, you know, to have any photoconservator, you know, agree to the, the parameters of that situation. So, so the the referent isn't isn't just my curiosity of of what I saw at the Museum of Modern Art. It's also I set up the conditions that are that are contrary to photo conservation in the exhibition. So the show is up at the Walker for a year. Is your intention that the objects will continue to have a life after that year, or well, or or not? I'm in conversation with with the the Walker right now. About about how how the work can reconfigure because even even though the beginning points for many of my works are an institution's history i have the aspiration that the works not just be limited that to to those particular you know experiences work that i showed at secession a few years ago has been relocated to you know other other venues with completely with a completely different set of experiences. So I'm currently talking to the Walker right now about what the the future iterations of of a Gallery Seven could potentially be. And as I have still a, another until November, you know, of the exhibition, we we still have a good amount of time to to think about it. I'm going to work on a book with the Walker on on the exhibition, which will probably also help me make some decisions about about how I see the future of these works. You mentioned the secession. You installed a grouping of photograms there. You have made photograms for a lot of years. And maybe before we talk about the photograms, it would be good if you quickly described what they are to to kind of set that up. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, traditionally speaking, a, a, a photogram is made, you know, in a dark room with an enlarger, light sensitive paper and an object on top of the light sensitive paper or objects would be placed in order to you know make an index of 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 those of those items once again in my procedure i have added on and eliminated certain things i i don't make most of my work in a dark room, make the work outside. Uh, so I've eliminated the the enlarger. The enlarger is obviously just for a light source. I haven't eliminated the light sources. The light sources are 
whatever is occurring outdoors, be it I work at night or, or during the day. So it's the ambient light of, of the sky and the buildings around me. And during the day, obviously, it's it's sunlight. And I work in a scale that's you know, generally would be prohibitive to work to work in inside. I have custom made trays that can hold up to you know sixty gallons each of of whatever chemicals I'm um, I'm working with. So yes, I, I have been making photograms for a while, but for the most part, you know, the the, the photograms have have gone along with certain certain projects that have to do with with architecture so in in these procedures i i've eliminated the camera but the exhibition sites have have become a a, a viewing apparatus of of sorts so I, th- I think that's i think that's an important play because often people have, have mentioned you know that i'm not working with a camera which is not a true i mean many projects of mine have 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 utilized cameras the the mores i have utilize an 8x10 camera so it's not as, a, as though i'm adverse to working with the cameras the mores are the kind of op art ish exactly pieces. yeah and, th- and those are made from you know 8 by 8 by 10 black and white negatives so it's it's not it's not an aversion to working with a camera i think it's m- much more uh, i've set up a situation that when i'm i haven't been working with a camera per se i have been working with architecture and architecture as a way of, of you know, as, as either viewfinder or, you know, apertures. So the, the, the camera has, has been, you know, displaced by, by the rooms that have been, you know, fortunate enough to have the, the works installed in. So you've been making these pieces up in Vermont, often, usually, even at night, as you mentioned, and you've been doing it for a long time now. And we should add the reason you do this in Vermont is you, you teach at Bennington. I do teach at Bennington College. And so I imagine you've, over the years, learned how to control a lot of things throughout the process. And I wonder if one of the things that has kind of worked its way into your mind as you make these pieces is any notion of composition. Composition in 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 terms of where the where where the works will be displayed, or in terms of what happens on the surface. No, I mean, I, I obviously can, can can control the conditions that I work in. Like, I, I, if I work when it's cold out, you know, the, the the chemicals don't react as quickly. When I when I work when it's warm out, obviously they're they're much, they're much faster. I re- obviously reject the 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 works that I you know don't find to be satisfactory for for whatever reason. But I I I, I can't you know I'm working with that amount of chemicals i can't control how how the paper takes the chemicals that's completely you know random and and chance chance based so i can i can set up all the conditions of how i work but I, 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 I can't control how quickly the paper will take in certain chemicals. And I'm not, I'm not, even, I'm not even interested in, in necessarily doing that. So if there is a time at which you think about seeing things in the surfaces of your own works, that's entirely in situ and not while in the process of making. Are you, are you talking about like when, when – Things when things look like other things, you know, like a like a const like if somebody thinks they see a, a Monet water lily or a constable cloud or something that triggers a reaction or a memory, that's not something that you are thinking of or trying to do in the process of making. That's something that only happens on a wall. Yeah, and, and it, 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 I 
guess maybe as, as as somebody who isn't that drawn to to you know narrative thinking it, it would that's why I'm asking. yeah <laughs> i wouldn't I, I, it's it's funny because i of course i teach photography foundations and it's like one of the first things i, I need to work with on students and, and critiques is is they're interested in you know talking about things looking like other things and you know that's 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 for the person who makes the work i i, I have never found those things to be particularly helpful you know it, i think the the rorschach reaction to work is is interesting to the person who's coming up with it but it's not necessarily that interesting to everybody else who's 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 listening to that conversation so no things looking like other things is is not a is not a gesture that i'm i'm activating or even composing them in a way that could recall that no so you know so you use so i think we've got the, the 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 process down pretty clearly and and as I, I think you've done a nice job of making clear, you're not that interested in image per se, which is great, which is great, right? So I imagine, though, that at some point in your life, even if it was just in high school, that you were interested in images. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am I am obviously interested in, in image production. And that's not to say there are not images, you know, in my work. Of course, there are images in 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 my work, you know, the, the viewer often appears and, you know, the aforementioned architecture obviously appears and changing light appears in, in my work. So I would say, I would say that my work exists in relationship to people who are interested in, you know, a very specific image production. I, 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 I would say that I'm interested in, I'm much more engaged with the flux of images than I am one constant image. And that, that, was, that was something that I, even as a student, that I, f- I found limiting. Yeah, I'm kind of curious at how you got, about how you got to that point. So, I mean, I, you know, if, 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 if one thinks back to your pre-artist free beginnings, you know, in high school or something or earlier, I, I imagine you were more interested in images, in making things or, or the, you know, that looked like images that, you know, a memorable image, an image that could stick in the mind. And I wonder if you have a sense of the day or the month or the years during which you learned to shed that interest. I would say that of, of, I've always been interested in, in, in how people look at things. And even when I had to do exhibitions to correspond with, you know, being a, a, a photography student at Rhode Island School of Design, that I was I was already building the apparatus around the work. Like I, I built walls for my thesis exhibition. So I made these relatively small color prints that were three or four times the size of a 35 millimeter negative. So I built walls maybe three or four feet away from these images so that the the viewer had to engage with the work. So yes, there, there were images, color was 100% of, of, of these works. I would say that most people probably would have said that they slipped in between, you know, what would be considered to be a representation and abstraction. So I bet there was something that, that for me felt not satisfactory about having works be static. And 
I, I did more than one exhibition with these works. I, I changed the works over time, mixed them up with other things. The presentation of the work was really important to me. So I, I would say that even though I, I did make things that were considered to be, you know, representational photographic works, there was something for me that wasn't that compelling. My very first solo exhibition consisted of seven monochromatic works. So, you know, as a as an exhibiting artist, there there has always been an investment in the in non-objective works layered in history. So it's 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 never been enough for me that it 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 just be a, a photographic procedure without dealing with the history of that particular procedure. And there wasn't a particular moment that the representational works went by the 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 wayside. I mean in, in this in this first body of work that I exhibited in New York, every time I re exhibited the work I, I I would take out the representational works. You know, so it was a, over the course of maybe seven years and, and I would at this point in time absolutely not include the representational works unless like maybe in an archive that, you know, would be accessible, you know, to to anybody who wanted to look at, you know, the history of, of the of the work per se. So I, I, there's not one. In answer to your question, it's a really good question. There's not one particular moment. It's it's a it's an evolution. And part part of that evolution is what what has been what has sort of been allowed in photography. Even when I was making ways for people to look at the work, you know, as an undergraduate, what that wasn't something that was particularly you know, well received. You know, why why would a photographer need to make an architectural apparatus in order to view works? So I, you know, there 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 wasn't, and I think this is something that's important to look at. You know, that there wasn't there wasn't a lot of people who are interested in this conversation. It's kind of funny though, because in the 19th century, in the middle of the 19th century, photographers are using and requiring architectural apparatuses, wagons and tents to make. Yeah, no, and, and and cameras that were as large as the the people who are using them. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a certain relation. So I've never seen video of you making work in Vermont, so I don't know precisely the physical mechanics of of it. But I wonder if there's a relationship between the wet clodian process and what you do, and if that was intentional. No, it's certainly not, not, not intentional. I mean, th- part of the reason why I brought it outside was that it, it doesn't matter how, you know, how how great the ventilation system is. And we should note that when you are using these, you know, so when you when you say you're using sixty or seventy gallons of chemicals, that's three or four times the size of a gas tank to give people an idea of, of the volume of of stuff you're using, and it's toxic, and you wear a ventilator and all yeah. that. Kind of and that's per per tray and I, you know, generally work with, you know, five, 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 five different trays. So, so I, I would say so much of what I do is, you know, out of, you know, pragmatism. Uh, I, I, I didn't like the way it felt working in, inside, didn't, didn't feel particularly healthy. So I moved, I moved it outside, which would limit the amount of times that I could work and the times of the year that I could work. So I, I, I let my own health dictate the the setup around you know the the work so what it was not into you know looking back on on 19th century 
procedures, even even though I, I, I'm aghast by what was accomplished in that particular, I, I, absolutely aghast. So your photograms, you know, one of the phrases that just shows up in everything written about you for the last 15 years, so I imagine it's a phrase that probably originated with you, is that your photograms oxidize over time. So we all know what happens with metal when it oxidizes, you get rust. But what is the thing that happens to a photogram when it combines with oxygen over an extended period of time? This goes back to the conservation conversation again. I, 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 I think most conservators would, would, would actually say it's, it's sulfur that causes the, the, the change with silver per se. And the works have done everything from turn bluish purple to rust. And, and, and rust is maybe the, one, of the, one of the results I'm, I'm least interested do you mean a rust color or actual physical? Actual physical rust. So as, as much as I, I like the allusion to materiality. materiality, that's that's one that I've, I've been less, up until now, I've been less interested in actually seeing in the work. So when, when there's a, a show of your work up somewhere, you know, if it's in New York at a gallery, at a commercial gallery, it's up for six weeks. You know, if it's up at a museum, most of the time, obviously the Walker shows a different thing. You know, it's up for 10 or 11 weeks. So... Most of us don't have the opportunity of getting to see a work, you know, in in 2007, then again in 2010, and then again in 2013 or something, 2013. And I guess you do get to see that. I I, I certainly do, and I get to I get to see it, you know, with with frequency because you know many people who have collected the work also are, you know, aghast by you know, some of the, some of the, some of the changes, you know, that even though that's been discussed, as you say, you know, with, with frequency, when it actually occurs, they're very surprised by it. And once again, it's, it's dependent on, on many, many different things, you know, humidity as, as, you know, conservation people would say, you know, sulfur, if a, if a work has a frame or glass in front of it, it happens with, with, less frequency and for the most part i i, I find i find the, ch- the changes to be really quite compelling because it, it wasn't something that either i could control or predict and it's not it's not about deterioration i mean it's just about a sort of you know the, the life the life of a work and it's interesting that you say that you can't see it while while it's on 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 view and i i, I guess without you know, being contentious, I would say that everybody's work is changing. Yes, that's true. Yeah, over time, everyone, yes. everyone's work is changing over time, and and my my work, you know, inscribes that in 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 the work that that the work is changing. But sometimes the change is really slow. Uh, I I had you know major piece at the Museum of Modern Art up this summer, Tilt Swing, and I, w- I would say the change was very, very minimal. The piece that they acquired for their collection. Yeah, t- yeah. Tilt, tilt Swing, which is a, you know, six-panel sculpture. 360-degree, yeah. Yeah, and, and that... We'll, we'll have an image of it on the website. And that, and that changed, you know, inc- very, very incrementally. So when you see the way the photograms change, especially the ones you have the most access to and see the most often... Does seeing that change inform how you continue to make photograms next time you go out and make them, or or not so much? Not so much. No, I, I mean I, I like I guess you know without being I like setting up the conditions. I don't like necessarily controlling 
the conditions. Like I, I, I like, I like to be surprised. I like to be surprised. But you could always choose, you know, I don't, I don't mean to suggest anything or, or be confrontational, but I mean, you could always choose to only work in the summer or only work in a certain temperature range. I mean, there are decisions in that process. No, there are decisions. But if I, if I always knew what the result would be, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that interesting for, for me. <laughs> Like I, I, you know, is is I, I guess there's always these contradictions in my work that you know that there is obviously a lot of of uh, there are a lot of constraints that I've established, but then at the same point in time, I'm interested in what results from you know from the random from the randomness from something I couldn't have anticipated. I'm, I'm interested in learning. I'm not, and I'm not necessarily interested in, in, in repeating myself per se. So your photographs have pretty much also always included marks that are just inherent to the process of their creation. Did you embrace that right of way, right away, as 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 soon as you started making them, or did that take some uh, period of acceptance? I would say that I em- embraced that right away. I mean, there were there were you know projects that preceded this way of working that had the illusion of perfection. Some of the, the, the green screen work that I made for the blue screen process, you know, dealt with screens and screen technology. And uh, as any of your viewers probably have noted, you know, no computer screen is without areas where, where light does not admit. So I, I, I went so far as to, in the files that I made and in the negatives I shot to to retouch both negatives and prints so that it had the illusion of light emoting from all parts of the screen. And I realized at that point in time that making things perfect that are not perfect wasn't wasn't a way that I wanted to continue with the work. So how the work gets made and leaving its imprint in it is is of interest to me that you know, every time a piece of paper gets rolled, that it rolls onto itself, that that becomes part of the work. So that that, that thing that I described that nobody's ever going to see, you know, of, 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 you know, all the trays is actually in the paper, you know, because every time I, I, I go from tray to tray, I roll the paper back onto itself and that becomes part of the work. So the, the history of making the work is physically in the work, but it definitely came from a response to you know, trying to make things perfect that inherently are not perfect. For a show at the Buckholtz Gallery in Cologne last year, you, and I'm probably using the wrong word here, cut your photograms into three and four-sided shapes, and then they're up, up on a wall. We'll have images on the, on the website. And so the result, at least in JPEG form, kind of looks like a reference to Ellsworth Kelly and his and his shaped canvases and was that intended? Was that accidental? Oh, El, El, I mean, I think El, I think Ellsworth's always going to be you know in 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 the ear, but the, those those shapes actually. Yeah, I don't mean to say they're identical. No, 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 no. I think I think I think I think it's impossible not not obviously to to have that art you know reference, but the the genu- I, there is a genuine reference which is is 
once again, Herbert Bayer, those those shapes actually come. The architect. Yes, they actually. The designer, the Bauhaus designer. Exa- a, 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 exactly, and the painter and the photographer and the sculptor, you know, who who whose exhibition designs have, have that either have been formulated or not formulated or have been of great interest to me. So those shapes actually come from drawings of his uh, on on viewing. So the triangular shapes are 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 cutouts from from his drawings on on perception and they're sort of triangular they have two straight edges and one curved edge. yeah that that they in his drawing there'd be a, a viewer where the two points come come together and that would be the potential for that person's vision so is is Ellsworth Kelly going to be thought of with with within that matrix you know apps no, absolutely. But is it, it's 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 not necessarily, you know, the most pertinent one for me, you know, to be to be thinking about. You said though he's he's always kind of in your ear, and how and how and why? Sure, I mean, you know, and I think anybody who's who's, you know, thought about the monochrome in any art practice would 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 certainly have have needed to think about you know Ellsworth Kelly's contributions. I I I think his capacity to look look at you know red, blue, and green in the 60s before you know our omnipresent screen was was really prescient and forward thinking. So you know absolutely abs- absolutely I think I think the way he's articulated color and space will continue to be a interest of mine. And I, I, I don't think of his work as, as being minimalist or reductive. I think it's actually very expansive. And I had the opportunity to hear him talk at MoMA for his birthday a couple of years ago, maybe, maybe it was a year and a half ago, when he talked about a, a, a lot of his image making and thinking was, was based on his time as a soldier in World War II and how he was a big part of his, his mission was to make you know, towns look more activated than they actually were as, you know, military uh, sites. So I, 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 I think transplanting that way of thinking and perception, you know, into, into his own work is, is remarkably interesting. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really interested in this work. I mean, I, 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 I think, I think it's, it's still very current. I wanted to ask one question about the Moiré works. I, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you knew you were going to get an op arty effect from the process. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the I, I I I would say more of an interest of mine than the op arty was was once again referring to, you know, expectations of photography that you know photography is is the its expectations are that it's static. Totally, and I and I and I. I, I get that, but once you kind of accepted that there was going to be an op art reference, you could have, in theory, made decisions that gave you more of a mild Thomas Downing-like effect, or you could have gone more full Soto or Bridget Riley, and you you were pretty much willing to go go all out with with the op art effect. And I, I'm curious about that decision making process. If you thought about mediating that or not no i mean the 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 you know the the mores are you know 
or have become, you know, an, an artifact and in, in, in working digitally. You know, it's it's something that that you know designers want to eradicate from the image. So as it's something that wants to be discarded, I I, I wanted to make you know a, a huge note of it. You know, many many works of mine I th- I think are rather you know gradual or subtle. And I didn't. I didn't really see the the need for any subtlety, you know, in in making subject matter what's what's vehemently, you know, tossed aside, you know, and considered to be, you know, a, a, a huge problem. So the 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 problem becomes the work, you know. And if the problem becomes the work, then there would be no there'd be no reason to be subtle with with a procedure like that, you know. And it also deals with once again, you know, photographic re- registration and the the layers that get built into any you know photographic work, and I think that you know alongside the dye transfer prints, even somebody who's not aware of the layers of photography becomes aware of it in their body or through viewing, and the, and that and that was important to me, and and even even if if the result is you know say physical that that was that was something that i i actually wanted to determine you know through the size of the work and th- and through the fi- you know the the physicality of viewing because because the works at the secession which were not moiré works were also very physical just physical in a different way yeah i mean the the works that were secession you know stereographic works i i wanted through the rooms to 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 bring about, you know, stereographic viewing. So the, there's there's more of a sense of, you know, the the viewer is, is maybe even, you know, choreographer of their own experience. So the, there there is a physicality to, to 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 many of my works, and I I would say that, you know, in the more is because they are, you know, body sized, and and because of, you know, the the opness that. Yeah, the the work gets burned in your retina. It's it's. I, 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 yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't think that 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 procedure would have benefited from from a more subtle approach. Liz Deshen, thanks so much for talking with me. Tyler, it's been a pleasure. That's all for this week's show. The Modern Art Notes podcast is edited by Wilson Butterworth. Special thanks to Steve Roden who created the sound for the program. The Modern Art Notes podcast is released under a Creative Commons license. Please visit Modern Art Notes for more information. Thanks for listening.